You're listening to The Above the Mug Show, a podcast that highlights people whose passions drive their life. My name is Lucas Spinoza, and I own a coffee shop. Every day I meet dozens of interesting people, and today I sit down with one of them to inspire you to live your life passion forward. What is going on, everybody? It's your friend Lucas Spinoza coming at you from my office inside of the Black Sheep Lounge right here in Welland, Ontario. Today, I am joined by an incredibly special guest. This person does a zillion things. I've had to write them down for the first time because it's so many things that I don't even know where to get started. Easiest way to put it, you are an artistic director. I am. And under that, so many things happen. You're a dancer, circus performer, choreographer, entrepreneur. You do a zillion things. And you have your own company. Yes. And I'm going to try Femme de Feu. Oui. Yes. Parlez en français, sucker. I can't. Do you actually speak French? Un peu. Un peu. A little bit. Okay, I almost said Paquito. I'm switching Spanish. And I don't know if I, I don't think I said your name. Holly Tredenic. Holly Tredenic. Welcome. Thank I said you. that correctly because it's not French, right? Exactly. Okay, yep. perfect. Thank you for being here. Uh, very excited. Holly and I met somewhat recently. You've been in Welland for a couple months, three months, four months? Yeah, three months-ish. Awesome. So... I'm not going to get too far into this part of it, but I'm really excited to have you here for a couple of reasons. First one is there is a lot of mystery behind the building that you, and is it your husband or your boyfriend? My husband, Your yep. husband, yeah. You and your husband purchased this building, uh, and it's a building in Welland that had a lot of excitement around it. It's an old bank, the old CIBC, um, and so everyone's speculating. Welland's a small city, so everyone's like, oh, I wonder what it's going to be. Maybe it's going to be a theater. Maybe it's going to be this. And then when I started talking to you about it, and you introduced yourself here um, again when you first came into Welland, and I was like, no way. Circus is a cool title. And so I think, like myself, a few others that are listening to this are going to be confused because there's two main types of circus to the layman, to a person who's not involved in, in that world. And I think the first thing people think are lions and tigers and monkeys and giraffes and that kind of stuff. But then the other one is more on the performance art side of circus, which is what you do, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So I'm done talking because I'm not as interesting as you. So why don't you tell me a little bit about what it is that you do with your company and maybe um, what type of circus performance that you do mostly? Yeah. Okay. I work in contemporary circus. So that's the genre. Or actually now there's even a newer sect called New Circus. Cool. So um, technically, I think I fall more into the genre of New Circus, which is even under the umbrella of Contemporary Circus. And then there's Traditional Circus, which has sort of the three ring and the the, um, big top tent. Cool. Um, Some sideshow falls into that. Really kind of what we think of as Barnum and Bailey is Traditional Circus. Yeah, yeah. And then this whole world of Contemporary Circus is really driven from Europe. But also Cirque du Soleil in Canada is one of the like kind of international founders almost of this new genre of contemporary circus. Now Cirque du Soleil is really looked at as like by Europeans and sort of more progressive mm-hmm. contemporary yeah, makers yeah. as traditional. Um, but here in Canada, we still look at Cirque du Soleil as contemporary circus. Yeah. So the work that I do falls under contemporary circus. Um, I work as a circus performer and a creator and a producer and an event maker. And I do a lot of advocacy for Ontario contemporary circus. Mm -hmm. Um, 
nationally and internationally and I do uh, a lot of like representing and sort of sector development so for cool. the community. Yeah, I feel very privileged to and honored to kind of be playing Absolutely. that role. Um, and so the work is kind of driven more from like an artistic or conceptual um, background as opposed to um, more virtuosic skill based. Um, and there's many reasons why that has come about. Mm -hmm. um, and even Ontario circus scene is much more contemporary than even Quebec. And Quebec is like internationally renowned as one of the best circus makers in the world. Very cool. Um, but then Ontario gets forgotten or not recognized at all. But we have a much more contemporary vibe mm -hmm. that is a lot driven by um, people that were trained first as theater artists or dance artists. And for me, I trained as a dancer. I've danced my whole life as a modern dancer. And I went to Toronto Dance Theater Professional School back in the 90s um, Very cool. and worked as a professional dancer for a bunch of years making and interpreting for other companies. And then I started to get into circus um, and for a few years started collaborating with a dancer uh, peer of mine. And we started experimenting with some circus work, working with silks and a little bun bungee and harness. And, cool. Um, and then we formed a company called Femdefa, and that's been 16 years now. 16 years. 16 years. I didn't realize how long you'd been doing it for then. Yeah. That's I've amazing. Been, I've been working in circus for about 18, 19 years almost. That's awesome. Because I don't know how familiar, if at all, you are with what, what we do with this podcast. So it is a newer podcast. But the thing I'm trying to accomplish is showing people locally that there are people in their community that are making a living doing what they're passionate about. And it's, it's great if people have hobbies. There's nothing against that whatsoever. But... I think very seldomly do we have a real example of someone who makes money doing it. Not a ton of money. It doesn't have to be rich, but you have to, if you can support yourself doing what you love, that is amazing. You don't have to have that mansion. And if you do, congrats. So I'm stoked to have someone like yourself on today, mostly for that reason, which is you've got a really interesting uh, passion and a very interesting job. And it's something that if you were to say, hey, Here's someone who's living in Welland who's making a living as a circus performer. You'd be like, no, there's, there's no one like that. And yes, there is. Yeah. And, and we get surprised every week on this. You'll see someone who makes money as a YouTuber uh, and not even just a YouTuber, someone who is uh, filming themselves playing essentially what's a tabletop game. Uh, you know, we've got content creators. We've got tattoo artists. We've got now you as a circus performer. So there's so many things, which is which is awesome. So when did you did you start dance before you were in, you said you started dance before you were interested in circus. So how did the love of circus kind of come into play? Yeah, I was introduced to circus. Well, kind of two ways. Um, my first sort of touch with circus, well, I'd seen the circus a few times as a youth and um, was always very intrigued by it. Um, but I st first started learning circus. I was on tour uh, in the States doing children's theater. And one of my peers on the tour had been to Germany and she learned fire spinning in very Germany. Cool and had brought back some of the tools. And on this tour, she was practicing and she taught me. So that was sort of my very first touch. So, so you still do the, uh, obviously I know that's your company name, but is that something you do currently still is work I with fire? I do a little bit of fire performing, but very little. Well, actually getting into a little bit more again. That's cool. Um, my focus is more on aerial circus. So working in the air Hoops, uh, with ropes. different apparatuses. Yeah. Yep. 
Um, and even more recent years, I've gotten into creating and having built my own apparatuses. Perfect segue for something I saw, Tweet Tweet. Yes, yeah, yeah. Tweet Tweet is a show that, um, it's an early year show, so the oh. audience is geared towards zero to five years old, mm -hmm. and they're caregivers. Yeah. And that we premiered in 2018 as part of WE Festival. Very cool. Um, we were very uh, thankful to be supported by Canada Council for the Arts and Ontario Arts Council. And WE Festival, which is based out of Toronto, helped us seed and build the show. It's created with my partner, Lindsay Goodtimes. And we have... Sick name. <laughs> yeah. Sick name, by Yeah, the they way. Uh, changed their name to Good Times when they got married, actually. Oh, really? She That's... was Malakovic, and now she's a good time. That's still awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And um, yeah, so we had a show that we, we had an idea as young mothers. We wanted our children to be more connected with nature. We were really, really living like downtown Toronto. Mm. And being connected with nature and the environment is really important to us. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to be um, making work in an environment that was accessible to families and to our kids. Absolutely. And we weren't seeing a lot of either of those things. So we had the concept to create the show that was um, fighting against nature deficit disorder, which is an actual term that's been coined by uh, Richard Louvre. So we did a lot of research around nature deficit, deficit disorder, and we ended up building this show that we called Tweet Tweet. Great. Yeah. It's and so been awesome. Nature deficit disorder is that basically saying because kids aren't going outside enough? Is that what it is? Not spending enough time in nature? Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I, I think that would. I mean, you don't even need to have a title to realize that we definitely don't get enough of that. There's days because I live where I work where I won't even be outside. I'll wake up. I'll work, I'll come back into the room, and then I'll be like, oh, day's over. And then it'll be a full 24-hour cycle before I've felt the sun. Yeah, absolutely. It's crazy. And, yeah. and I'm, I, in parentheses, young person, but I mean, we're, we're aiming towards, well, not we, you were aiming towards zero through five. And, and that yeah. demographic is going to feel that strain, I think, a little bit harder. So it's great that you offered that. Another perfect segue that you've given yourself here, uh, something I didn't include in, your, in my preamble about you, which is activism. So I saw you were talking about being a mother that um, you had done some activism work for um, breastfeeding and for mother's rights. And I think that is super cool. Uh, I couldn't believe it. I, I think it might've been two or three years ago when this started really coming about. You saw more of it online and on, on the news and everything. I, I cannot believe that this is even an issue. It's one of those things that is like, okay, seriously, what is this, like 1740? Yeah. Of course it's okay. It, yeah. It's, you know, you, I think you mentioned it's not about um, the mother's right to bear herself. It's about the child's right to eat. Is that Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and at, the, at the end of the day, it's a boob. Yeah. Who it, cares? Like that's what you're concerned about? Yeah, it was crazy. How did that come up for you? Well, it was interesting. I was um, going to visit a friend up on the Bruce Peninsula. We were in Wyerton, mm -hmm. had stopped there for lunch, and I had driven up from Toronto with my baby, who was a couple of months old, and mm -hmm. my daughter, who was about a, two years old. Mm -hmm. So it was intense, you know, quite a long drive. I was like, okay, let's get out of here. I got to eat, and I got to nurse my baby. So we went and sat down at the restaurant. My friend was going to come meet me. We were waiting for her sat down on the patio and nursed my baby. And the waitress came up and said, 
you know, you shouldn't be doing that. And I was like, oh, oh, what? She says, oh, you know what you're doing. And I said. And you were outside? I was outside on the patio. And I was like, no, I don't know what I'm doing that I should not be doing. It was very uncomfortable. There was a few tables of men all around. And everyone was looking at me really um, negatively. The vibe had turned very uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable you just telling me that. That's it was brutal. bad. And she just kept pushing it. And eventually sa- she said, you can't do that in here. And you can't breastfeed your baby. Did you leave? She got her, the owner to come in. And I did leave, which I kind of feel like I shouldn't. But I was sho- so shocked. And oh, for sure. So... Um, like, I was just being raw, you know, I had to nurse my baby, and she was crying, my other kid was hungry, and she was only two, and it was a bit like, just bring me some food, and I'm gonna happily pay for the food, yeah, eat, yeah. and get out, we're not here to hang out, um, but I left, my friend came and met me on the sidewalk, and her baby was also the same age as mine, so we both got really upset, gathered our wits, went back in and confronted them, mm-hmm. and... Um, just kind of voiced what we believed in and how they were wrong and women have a right to nurse their babies where they want when they need. Absolutely. And I think most mothers, especially that I've seen, and I've seen this happen a lot, especially recently, because there's been kind of that push and pull from the media of what's right and what's acceptable, whatever. And I think we have finally gotten to the point, at least in our area here, that it's acceptable, mm-hmm. um, that you're not seeing too many people scoffing. Of course, there's going to be a couple prudes that are going to be a pain in the ass, but that's the end of it. Um, but I think most mothers at least have some, like they'll at least put their kid under their shirt or they have that blanket that covers yeah. them. And if, if that's how you feel comfortable, awesome. If you don't have it, you still shouldn't have to worry about it. Because it's, it's not like, uh, you know, you're getting completely undressed, yeah. like head to toe and just yeah. sitting at a table. It's a different story. Yeah, absolutely. But if you're talking about feeding a baby, I don't know. It's crazy to me. I wanted to yeah. make sure that this came up because I... Again, it's not really has to. It doesn't have to do with your career, but it does have to do with your character, and I think that is very important. Yeah. And uh, and even people who uh, are great people, like yourself, to have to face something like that is brutal, especially in Canada. Like I, yeah. I hate hearing these stories when they're close to home. It's like it shouldn't be like that here. Yeah, you know, it's not like it's. I don't want to name a country because <laughs> they're going to be mad at me. But anyway, you know, you yeah. can imagine a country in your head where maybe that's not appropriate. Yeah. But the culture here, I mean, we pride ourselves on being forward thinking and accepting and, Absolutely. you know, inclusive. Equal rights. Exactly. Uh, so, no, kudos to you for doing that. Um, Thank you. And anyway, that's just the story on that. Maybe uh, because I know to touch on it for people who are listening, what is it yeah. that you did after the fact um, to kind of rally some support in the community? Well, it was actually really interesting. Um, we went home and I made a post about it on Facebook and it just like exploded and it continued to explode for several days. When we woke up the next morning, our friend phoned us and mm-hmm. said, hey, have you checked out social media? I said, no, it was, I don't know, eight or nine in the morning, really early. And a bunch of women in the community had actually organized a protest outside the restaurant. So it was like, oh, so you went back to that restaurant. We did. We showed up at about 10 in the morning (laughs) and there was like, I don't know, 50 to 100 women with signs all about like women's rights, family rights. And they were all standing outside. It was amazing. That's great. The community had really done that. And then we did a, a lot of work to, um, you know, just communicate with people. I had actually people reach out from all across Canada, even mm. Europe. People reached out to me to share their stories with me. 
about their experiences of being um, like shunned or made to feel bad about nursing their babies and feeding their babies. And it's I think it's even more on top. I don't think it's just um, about breastfeeding. I think it's just this stupid. It's not real. It's this fake line that we drew in the sand about what's acceptable and what's not about people's bodies. Mm -hmm. There was a point in time when people didn't wear clothes and then we started feeling ashamed about it and that's what happened. Again, I'm not trying to advocate for everyone to walk around naked. That's not what I'm going after. But what I am saying is that how come across the ocean, like you mentioned Europe, all of their beaches? Yeah. They're fine. You can be topless at a beach. Yeah. Because if a man can, a woman should be able to as well, right? And uh, I, I find it, insane that literally just a plane ride determines what's acceptable for a woman and what's not. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a little bit crazy, especially these days. It's not like we're living under rocks. We're able to see any corner of the globe at any time from anywhere with just something that's in our pocket. Yeah. Right. So um, I think that's awesome. So I, I really feel it's about being able to make the choice. And whatever your choice is, you make a healthy choice that's going to work for you. I'm not saying that everybody needs to breastfeed their babies because I don't believe that. There's so many, so many issues that can come up. So many reasons why you may choose not to. Mm -hmm. But I think systems too. It's you're right. It's about choices. It's about choice. And Mm -hmm. if that's your choice, then you should be able to do that. Yeah. And it's the most natural thing you can do. There's arguments on both sides about what's right and wrong. But that, I mean, every mammal in the world does it. Yeah. Right? So. Absolutely. I don't know if whales do. Because whales are mammals, right? They are, because they have legs. Oh no. Interesting. If there's anybody who's doing animal biology, give us a message. Because <laughs> now I'm curious. Um, so we've talked about you as a performer. What's it like from, I guess, a planning side of things, from the outside when you're trying to choreograph dances or as the owner of a company and when you're trying to put on a production do you find one you enjoy more than the other or is it the whole process that you enjoy or maybe you don't enjoy it and you like the end results? Is there, is there a combination of things or how, how do you feel about that? Hmm, that's a great question. Um, I think that for me, the process of creating is the most fun part. Mm-hmm. I do love the performing, either if I'm in the performance or watching a performance take shape. Yeah. on stage um, and that sharing experience and the magic that happens in the moment with performance. But mm-hmm. I do really love the organizing component of, of putting together a choreography or an event because um, that's a lot where the community happens, where I'm actually like sure. with my peers, with collaborators, talking about ideas, researching physically or researching through discussions I feel like it's the process that's really rich Mm. and really fun and can be very challenging it's the puzzle of how does it all work together figuring out what pieces need to come into play and how they work together for sure brainstorming ideas looking at a community that you're trying to engage with whether it's like a specific arts audience or a greater community like Welland Mm -hmm. And what are the needs? What needs to happen? What are the pieces that need to come in? And how does that come into play? And who can help bring in ideas? And how do those ideas all coalesce in 
a vision. For sure. I love that. I find for myself, I, I don't do it actively anymore. But prior to opening this place, I was very active in music. Uh, and the last band I played in before I opened was the closest to something real in music that I could get to where we get We were getting paid. We had our work visas for the States. So we were traveling. We had a bus. It was great. So I got to experience that before I got uh, roped mm-hmm. into entrepreneurship. But the the one thing I found about music is the egomaniac in me loved performing because yeah. I loved people's reactions to something that you created. Uh, but I, I never liked performing as much as I liked recording. Yeah. So for me, being in the studio was my favorite part because there's no distractions. You're not worried about what people think of it at that time. You're just, it's the creative process. Maybe you've already worked on something. You have an idea of what you want to have happen. But then through that creative process, through putting your ideas down on a, a theoretical paper, you know, you're able to find things that you wouldn't have done otherwise, or you scrap something you thought you loved. And yeah. then, you know, it takes you weeks, if not months in the studio. And then when it's finished, you're like, that's not at all where I thought this was going to go. But you know, it's something beautiful that you created with friends or you created on your own. Yeah, uh, and, and there's no outside force aside from if you're with a label, maybe they'll tell you something. But at the end of the day, the artist has most of the say. So when you're finished, you've got this product that is yours. Yeah. And when you perform now, it is subject to critique and it's subject to opinion. And that's great. Yeah. That's a great thing. Good yep. or bad. Yeah. But uh, for me, it was a lot more enjoyable to be kind of in my own head where when I'm performing, I get kind of sucked into, okay, you know, do I do, cause I'm a drummer. So what am I going to do a stick trick here or where's the camera? That kind of thing. Right. Because I have both sides, like the, the insecurity in me wants to really have a great creation. I want to produce something. I want to make something awesome. But then the ego side of this is, you know, I really love, I love looking larger than life. That was something forever. Uh, it's not a matter of, of acceptance. I just love having, uh, I, I love being on stage as well. So yeah. it's a combination of both, but I really like the creating process like you, I yeah. think a little more than performing because yeah. performing then becomes regurg- regurgitating to yeah. a s- certain degree. Not always because yeah. things can change, especially with music. And I'm sure with, with yours as well, certain things you can't cause you, someone might die if they fall. So, totally. but, uh, no, it's great. I, I, um, I'm happy that we, we share that part. Yeah, That's absolutely. Cool. So um, we talked a little bit. It's not really important about why you came to Welland. Yeah. But maybe what I'm more curious about is what are, what are your plans short term yeah. and long term for your new space? Yeah. These are if good you're willing questions. to share. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, we want to open up the space as an arts center mm-hmm. and multidisciplinary. We want to make it a space for the community to be able to come together and create work and present work, mm-hmm. whatever kind of art form that would be, music, poetry, spoken word, circus, dance, theater, comedy, whatever that cool. might look like, anything in between or outside of any of those things. Um, we see ourselves hoping, hosting like an open mic maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, we definitely want to host music shows and performances like contemporary circus cool. works or um, theater productions. Mm. So we'll have a stage and we'll have seating. Um, but the space can be reconfigured in multiple ways. So to meet the needs of whatever practice is happening in there. Mm. So are you looking more at uh, if we had to put a genre on your place? Yeah. Is it more of like a boutique type of place or like a uh, vintage theater kind of idea where it's 
it's a performance place, but it's not because I know the space is very large. Yeah. But I are you looking to do a large venue type production or is it more quaint, intimate? Yeah, and, it'll and be more intimate it for sure. Yeah, very more cool. intimate rather than like really large scale. I, see, the only reason I ask, that's more for me because I, yeah. I love those. Again, when I say small, it's not to take away from what you're doing at no. all. It's I love small yeah. venues yeah. Uh, because I think you just get so much more out of them. I find as a performer, it's more difficult in a small venue, but yeah. at the same time, it's a lot more rewarding when it goes well, yeah. in my opinion. I'm not speaking it's for a lot more. It can be more exposed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Great. Sorry to cut you off. I just was curious about that. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to see residencies happening. Mm -hmm. So bringing in artists either locally, nationally, artists from Toronto. Toronto's so hard to find space. So yeah. I'd love to bring um, open up the space to have artists come or small companies course, come yeah. work for a week or two. And then at the end of their residency, be able to do a showing, a works in progress showing open to the public yep. and then also have them do a community engaged event. So if it's like a cir small circus company that comes, they'll do a show at the end of their residency. Mm -hmm. They'll have the space to work for that time and then also host some sort of a workshop for the community to come and engage with the artists. Very cool. And I think I mentioned, mentioned this to you when, uh, so I, I think I've probably said this out loud, but people are like, what are you talking about? We sit on an arts and culture committee together. So I, so when I refer to the committee, for people listening, that's what I'm talking about. Right. We sit on a city advisory committee. I'm the council representative, and Holly's a new member, which is very exciting. So exciting. Um, but anyway, so on this committee, we talked, I think, very briefly about a connection that I wanted to make between you and somebody else, who was a guest on the podcast, David Nordquist. Oh, yeah. He owns Mini Wargaming, which is that tabletop, YouTube creation, whatever. They have all sorts of things. And Amazing. they do residencies um, to a certain degree. It's not the same idea where people rent the space, but they come in, they lodge with him, and they also have an opportunity to film themselves um, performing and playing uh, whatever game they decide to do. Um, so this is basically my official and public call out to David. So if Yay. you're listening, which I think you would be because you've been on this thing. If you're listening, David, I want to connect you to, you know, make sure that we can have all sorts of art forms working together because he has some cool ideas that I can't talk about here oh, that he wants to bring forward, which I think will be amazing to connect. The oh, two I can't wait. Yeah, I'm really uh, one of my major passions is about collaboration and working with different artists and working with different people and I just find that so enriching. For sure. I, it's taken me many years, but I've realized like I am not a solo artist. I'm not a solo producer. I'm all like bringing the people. Let's yeah, work I, together. I think that's a big misconception in, in anything, whether that's sports or arts or anything where you're putting yourself out there. I think a lot of people, when they first get started, um, they think that working with other people is going to take away from themselves or, um, and that's not to be a selfish way. People want to be recognized for what they're good at. They want to be, uh, yeah, sure, they want course. people to like them. That's just a normal part of society. Um, so I, I think as you grow as an artist or an athlete or whatever you're doing, you start to realize that there's strength in numbers, you know, and Absolutely. when you've got like-minded people coming together to work yeah. on a common goal, it's good for everybody. Totally. That's the whole premise of this podcast is I'm somebody who loves to learn. I love to make cool things happen in the area. Uh, obviously, a lot of this I, I do for myself because I like to grow and learn and, and uh, experience new things. But I get to sit down every week with somebody else who's also doing that in a different capacity. And mm -hmm. so we learn from each other. Uh, and then this is something that could be shared with other people who maybe don't know where to get started. Yeah. Right? So if someone's waking up this morning in Welland and they're like, I want to be in the circus. How the hell would you get started in Welland? How would you get started? People well, we're going to start teaching. 
Yes. Yeah. So that's exactly the point is what I'm trying to make is yeah. people have no idea where to go. Yeah. But this is giving them an opportunity to meet someone like yourself yeah. on a more personal basis, even though they're not face to face. Absolutely. They've got your mouth in their ear holes. Yeah. So this is a good thing. Yeah. We're going to start teaching circus classes of all sorts. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty stoked about that. Um, and I'm always happy to talk to people, artists who are interested because I've really had to create my own career and Mm -hmm. my own path as an artist. And I've managed so far to have 25 years of working professionally as an artist. Amazing. Um, Very lucky and very honored. Thank you, everyone. Um, But nobody's handed me any major opportunities. You know, nothing. I've had to really work and create my path. and, Mm. And I'm very thankful for that. And I've been able to stay in the game as a professional artist. And I'm always happy to share any insight I have gained with anyone. Awesome. Now, listen, we're coming up on the end of this thing, which is a bummer, but great. Uh, Went by very fast. Can you give everyone where they can find your stuff or contact you if you're if you're looking for that website or anything? Yeah, my website is femdefa.com and my mm-hmm. contact is info is there. Cool. My email's there and you can reach out or through Facebook, Femdefa or Instagram, Femdefa. Awesome. And I can be contacted any of those ways. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. You guys are listening to Above the Mug, a podcast that highlights positive people and we're trying to get you to learn how to live your life passion forward. We will see you next week. Hey friend, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Above the Mug. For more episodes, check us out at AboveTheMug.com. Make sure to like, share, subscribe, review, comment, tag your friends. This way you're not the only person listening to this thing. We come up with a brand new podcast every Sunday at noon, so we'll see you next week on Above the Mug.